Yes, and welcome to another edition of Pick and Pod. I am your host for today, Reed Horner, joined in studio by Joey Dayon. And by phone, Mir Gori is here. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Happy to be here. Excited to talk some basketball early in the season. A lot of exciting things to talk about, so uh, happy to be here. I just had a great Friday, so that's about it. That's all I got to say. <laughs> is, is, it a, is it a great Friday that you can talk about, or is it one of those that's... We're just going to well, leave it at that. things that definitely, if I talk about off-air, I mean, it's really good. Like, work went really well, so I'm, I'm, it's, it's a good day. It's, it's a, good a good day. day. It's nice to say something like that. No. <laughs> anyway, so, guys, we are a couple weeks into the soap opera that is the NBA season. Uh, everything from Eric Bledsoe requesting a trade via yeah. Twitter to the Nets being the third-best team in the Eastern Conference. Uh, so much crazy stuff. Oh, yeah. Gordon Hayward only has one ankle. Uh, there's a lot of things to talk about. What out of everything? I'll go to Joey first. Joey, what is your like overall feeling, reaction, the biggest kind of most interesting storyline to you that's happened in this young NBA season? I mean, I don't know if it's the biggest uh, storyline to me, but it's the most shocking. 4-0 and uh, Clippers. I know it's an 82-game season, but for them to start off 4-0, and Blake Griffin hit a three-pointer as time expired last night in Portland to beat the Trailblazers. So the Clippers don't look like they're they're going to be that pushover team. You know, they look like they're trying to, you know, get past the Chris Paul going to the, to the Rockets, and they want to solidify that they're here to stay in the Western Conference. They still got Doc Rivers. Then they got Griffin and Jordan to hold down the paint. And Patrick Beverly just looks like that pit bull, and, and he doesn't, like he said, he doesn't want Cl- the Clippers to be a pit stop for him. And uh, I think the Clippers look really, really good early. Mir? Yeah, I mean, to me, the Clippers have looked very good. But the thing is is that the reason why they've looked very good is they're a gritty team, minus Blake Griffin. And And then they have the chip on their shoulder because, in a sense, Chris Paul left them. So, you know, with a gritty coach like Doc Rivers, with gritty leadership like Beverly and and, and Jordan, you know, DeAndre Jordan, I, I, I like... I like this team. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I just think that at the beginning of the season when teams like the Nets and the Magic look really good in the East in, in regards to standings, the Clippers are going to max, like like take advantage of teams right now. They're still figuring out the beginning of the season. So, you know, it's, it's just an initial period that the, the Clippers look very good. I think 30 games in, they're probably going to be at just under 500. Yeah, that's a great point because – Especially as like avid fans, you want to get into the NBA. You want to be four games into it. Oh my God, I know what the teams are like. But quite frankly, even if you don't factor in injuries, there's so much more basketball to be played. The NBA season is the old cliche, right? It's a marathon, not a sprint. Right. And I think what the Clippers are doing right now, they're like, you know, you ever go through like a breakup, and they always say you have like a relationship weight, and you want to go, and then like you break up, and you go to the gym. It's like I'm gonna be all sexy for them, and they're gonna wish they had like never left me. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel the Clippers are like. Like yeah. they're like, okay, Chris Paul, you want to leave? Well, we can do it. But there's a difference between being well, executed, and never mind. Let me just say that they played the Suns, the Jazz, and the Lakers. It's it's not like they're over here beating Cleveland and the Warriors. Yeah. I, I don't know if this can be sustained. I think Blake Griffin, if healthy, is actually an MVP level, talented level player. Right. But there's so many ifs that I wouldn't want to bet on this team. I just think 
in, t- in terms of talking playoffs, I think the Clippers are for sure in it just because of the fact that there's a lot of teams <laughs> still looking to grow in for the Western sure, Conference. Yeah. Can, can we back up though? It's li- we do, it's not even, looking can at we the not Sacramento mention the P word? I don't want to talk playoffs. We are I'm in the beginning sa- of the NBA season. You guys said 30 I'm games in the NBA. Irrelevant. Out, I'm about to throw my mouth. <laughs> no, 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 no. Sorry, so let me correct myself, Joey. No, I said. 30 games in, they're going to be just like just a little bit under 500. I, I'm, I'm saying that, you know, they'll probably like be what? Um, 13 and 17, something like that. All right, Mia. So what stood out to you this uh, young NBA season? The thing that stood out to me more than anything is I know I picked Giannis as my MVP, but you did, you did. I didn't. He's looking pretty good. He's the first player, yeah. I believe. I could be wrong if you guys. First player in NBA history to average 35 points, 5 assists, and 5 rebounds in his first, in first four, games. four games. You guys can check me in the back and make sure. But I know he has some kind of weird one of those stats already. So Mir's early prediction looks to be going good. But Well, and also reads, you know, so far with, you know, your, your Ben Simmons pick is looking better and better. I was a little harsh on him last week. But, you know, he's, he's looking better and better. Ben Simmons got his first triple-double before LeBron got his first triple-double. Just saying. Just saying. Exactly, but I mean, then again, you know, Michael <laughs> Carter Williams had a triple double in his what, like two triple doubles in his first five games. So you know, we'll see. But obviously, Benson is going to be great. The thing that really stood out to me though was not just how great Giannis has looked just immediately, like right off the bat of the season, but it's also the fact that the Bucks have looked good. I know they lost last night to the Celtics, but they did get a win against the Celtics last week and and to me no matter in what conditions the celtics were in and the bucks got that win over them i think that that was really critical going forward when you know i think that in playoff seedings and i know you don't want to mention playoffs you know maybe a win or two might separate the seedings between the celtics and the bucks being two or three or three and four well i think uh yeah Giannis has been so so good i think the thing that stands out to me about him is how he continues to get bigger and bigger bigger physically i mean he came into the league and he was very you know flimsy he was a little bit of a toothpick type of guy and now he comes in and he's all broad shoulders strong able to get wherever he wants to go on the court no one can really push him around he's really doing the pushing around himself so that's the thing that stood out to me with Giannis. also he's become a much better passer and his handle looks pretty good also. He's he's in the open floor just making guys miss and getting to the lane with ease. So he's really scary to look at and watch going forward this year. But MVP talks, we, we can't forget about LeBron. I mean, he's just been absolutely amazing. Yeah, well, MVP is another one of those things I feel is so premature to talk about. Again, so much left this season. But you talk about Antetokounmpo, and you guys are – everything you said is true, right? I think he's this physically gifted player who came out of nowhere, but maybe the most pro- promising aspect to his game is how much that game has improved. Right? Where yeah. he went from, not just physically, but mechanically, how he moves on the court, what he does in certain situations. But I do want to pump the brakes a little bit. I think he's great. I think he's on his way to be one of the faces of the league uh, and one of its best players, but he struggles shooting. He's an inconsistent shooter, and I watched him against the Celtics last night, and not only was he an inconsistent shooter, but mentally he doesn't seem to have confidence in that shot. And as a shooter, like you can you're gonna miss shots no matter what, no matter how good of a shooter you are. But what you can never miss or never lose is that confidence in the shot. And I think that should be his focus going forward next. Is like like LeBron did when he went to Miami, adding that to your game. Because when you add a jump shot to your game and you have confidence in it, even if you don't hit it defenses will play you differently because they're like, oh, my God, he can hit this. But if mm-hmm. I'm a player and we're playing one-on-one, Joey, in my private backcourt because it's a fantasy, 
yeah. you're covering me and you know, oh, wow, Reed can't shoot a basket, you're going to play three feet off of me Give and make me, me go Rondo to the rim. Coverage. That's what I'm saying. And it completely yeah. changes. So the moment he can even get above, say, 32% from three-point, yeah. that's when you see him in the MVP. Right for now, sure. I don't think the Bucks will be good enough for him to get it, but he'll be in the conversation. Yeah. So Giannis's biggest issue, the, the, he, he has kind of three issues, I feel. One is that he grew almost four inches from when he got drafted to now, so he's constantly having to adjust to his body, right? And so that, that's, that's obviously difficult for any human being, let alone somebody who's having to perform in the NBA, you know, and the spotlight is on him nonstop. The second thing that I think is, is an issue for him is that he's shooting 14% from three right now. I mean, that's Andre Robertson level. I mean, it's terrible. I think he's going to get better. The third thing is, is that what made LeBron so great at such an early age is his basketball IQ. And the problem that Giannis has is his basketball IQ is, has improved dramatically and his game has improved dramatically, but he's not, he doesn't have the basketball IQ of someone who is an MVP caliber player. We, what Giannis we sh- has is physical gifts that make him an MVP player, but his basketball IQ has to continue to improve for him to live up to everybody's lofty expectations. Yeah, I think it will continue to grow, and I think he, for the growth that we've seen out of him, basketball IQ-wise, I think it's been pretty impressive. But you talk about the shooting, I think it's even scarier when you're looking at it from a, a glass half full uh, sort of perspective, and you're talking about how good he is right now, and he's only shooting 12% from three, as you mentioned. I mean, that's just mind-boggling because of the fact that he's so confident in every other area and aspect of the game of basketball that if he's able to put together some sort of consistency with that jump shot, it's it's watch out. Let me wait, wait, real quick, guys. Correction: the, the stats that earlier Giannis Antetokounmpo actually first player to average thirty five points, five assists, and ten rebounds in the first I think that's, couple games. So, so what's concerning? four games? Shout out to the back for that. So what's concerning me, though, about Giannis, though, is... Is his name. That, I think it's so no, hard to... Oh, no, okay, my bad. It's, it's great that... Yeah, it's great me. what you're pointing out, Joey, that, you know, in a glass-half-full sense that he's looking so good. But the thing is, is that his lack of three-point shooting and his lack of elite basketball IQ for this year, I think, will cost them a couple of games. And it'll be the difference between being, the Bucks being a two-seed and the Bucks being a three- or four-seed, yeah. is what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not trying to be harsh on him. I'm just simply saying there's so many people who want to compare 2000, the 2007 LeBron who carried the Cavs to the finals with Giannis of this They're year not in the same both. ballpark. Exactly. Because... In, in many ways, Giannis, although his physically is probably m- more impressive, LeBron has incredible athleticism with incredible IQ at, at the age of 22. And I think that people are just getting so hyped up about his stats, but not seeing that just because he's, he's picking up a lot of stats doesn't necessarily mean it leads to wins. Russell Westbrook looked amazing last year, and, and he had a lot of great stats, and he, leads, he led the Thunder to a lot of wins. But that also costs them because he's not a great three-point shooter because he's the only guy on the court. And Giannis needs to learn to become, be better at making his, his teammates better in order for him to really evolve as an NBA player. Yeah, he's not nearly as explosive a player as LeBron either. That's, that's another yeah. thing. That first step yeah. isn't there. I don't think you can compare LeBron and Giannis uh, just because of the fact that LeBron at 17, 16 years old, he was the chosen one. So he was playing basketball from a different mindset. Than anybody else in the world, at, and ever, you know. 
Right. I'm saying people are comparing them because of the age, because of just how right. good he's looked. And the, and they see this guy who's 6'11", and at the, basically a point guard. They're like, oh, my God, he's like a bigger Ben Simmons with experience. So, you know, what can he be? But I think I think he can win the MVP, but he needs to learn things in the in the game of basketball that don't necessarily make him better, but make other people better. And that's going to really elevate him. All right, so moving on from a guy that – can't hit a shot to the greatest shooter in NBA history and the biggest baby in the league right now, Steph Curry, um, the first ever unanimous MVP, which is a joke that he won. He's made headlines. The Warriors look good. We expected that, Joey. Yeah. Uh, But Steph recently got ejected from a game in which he threw his mouthpiece at an official. He didn't throw it near him. He didn't throw it into the stands. He threw it dead at the official. Yeah. Didn't get suspended, um, and Steve Kerr, the head coach of the Warriors, downplayed the situation. I guess I point this out because I think, uh, why well, I think Steph Curry's a, a, a phony and a fraud, branding wise. But I also want to point out to I think Mir may have alluded to this earlier is that are the Warriors like are have they gone too much? Are they? I mean, they're dis, they're not a likable team. But are they verging on to that, like, okay, it's getting too much now, you guys need to learn to act like professionals, or do you like this vibe of the Warriors team? Uh, I, don't, I completely dislike this vibe. I think it's, it's very frustrating to see as a, as a fan of the NBA, Stephen Curry to, to be above the rules uh, for a little bit. You know, um, throwing a mouthpiece directly at an official. I mean, you're taking something out of your mouth that's been in your mouth for the entire game, and you're just, you take it out and you throw it at an official at another human being because he didn't get give you a foul call with 43.3 seconds left in a game where you're down by eight points from frustration from your lack of execution throughout the entire game. I think it just it speaks to the immaturity a little bit of Stephen Curry right now and the, that we're above the NBA right now. Everyone's trying to be us. Everybody wants to be us. And they and it's it speaks volumes when Draymond Green even speaks. I mean, he's taking shots at teams literally that guy is four super games loud. into the season, and he's just he's just ripping on teams for 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 lack of better reason. I mean, they they're just getting too bored with themselves, I think, and and they're uh, they're not. I, I don't like what they're doing right now. I love how you said another human being. Like you had to remind yeah. people, hey, officials are humans too. Yeah, I mean, they're people too. But I'm I'm completely with you, uh, Mir. I can want to throw to you first before I. Lose my breath getting mad at the baby-faced assassin. What do you think about this whole situation, and how do you look at the Warriors now and what they're going to be moving forward? And not necessarily like their play on the court, but just the look, the feel, well, the brand. Well, the thing is, is that I've seen a lot of irritating things that the Warriors have done, and I'm not saying that because they're a competitive, a competitor uh, of, 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 of my favorite team or, or I don't want to be called a Warriors hater. I just want to objectively go over the points, you know, Steve Kerr, 26, uh, uh, 2016, he brags about how it's, it's, the fourth quarter's close against the Thunder, and he goes, on camera, everyone can hear it. He goes, oh, this is a close game, guys. Isn't this fun? You know, like, finally, close game. That's, you know, that, that's a bad look, even though everybody says how amazing Steve Kerr is. There's just this sense of arrogance. Then Draymond, last week, calling out the Mavericks' second-round pick. Like, who is this guy? But let me remind everybody, Draymond Green – was also a nobody when he came into the NBA. So he needs to he needs to like remember where he comes from also and kind of recognize that, you know, if he sees somebody who's a quote unquote nobody who comes onto the court, 
he should cheer them on just like he would expect somebody to cheer him on when he came onto the court. So I felt like that was really hypocritical of him and very uh, disappointing to me. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm just, and then other things like, you know, Draymond, you know, go, going under the belt against Steven Adams multiple times. I mean, to me, anytime a man does that, you know, to, to become successful against another man, it's always just a very big no-no to me. But, you know, just the general energy of the Warriors is this, sense of arrogance and sense of entitlement, which, and you know, people want to say, oh, well, Michael Jordan was very arrogant and entitled. But the thing is that he worked hard and he wasn't laughing and joking around ever. He was just working hard and he was uber competitive. What the Warriors are all about is they want to make it a circus and they want to make it a show and they want to laugh at other people while they do it. And then when people call them out on it, they get defensive. You know, and, and to me, that's really irritating. I don't really like this culture that the Warriors have. I'm not trying to be a Warriors hater. I'm just saying, you know, the facts and the evidence of just how they've been acting the last three years, you know, is it, it, pretty damning, I feel. And, 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 and I'm tired of the media constantly saying how Steph Curry is such a wonderful guy. I mean, this is the same guy that says, oh, I don't feel like I should be suspended. Oh, I don't feel like this fine is fair. This is ridiculous. I mean, come on, man. This is the second time that you're throwing something at, pe- at, at people. Who are you to say what is ridiculous or not? You're not the, the, the commissioner of the league. You're not, you know, in charge of who gives fines or not. You can defend yourself, but, you know, you're, 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 you make excuses as to what you were throwing and how you were throwing it. Then you make an arrogant shot like, I'm not so, I don't have such a terrible throw that I, wouldn't, that I would make the mistake of throwing the mouthpiece at the ref. I mean, you know, he's just throwing his arrogance out in people's faces, even when he's looking bad for what he did in Memphis. So, you know, for me, it's it's very frustrating to see that. And, you know, I'm tired of the media constantly saying how they're such great guys. Yeah, no. Okay, so I get where you're coming from. I got to preface my point with my biggest uh, nuisance. The thing I hate the most in sports, actually in life in general, is hypocrisy, right? Like, I'm all for authenticity, and I'm all for accepting people that have, like, different approaches, different attitudes, right? So when I condemn Steph Curry for how he acts, I'm not saying it because of what he's doing. It's exactly how what Mir pointed out. It's because he does—we were talking about this before the show. It's about how he represents himself, how he brands himself, how he sells himself to the world— Versus how he acts. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. at, at the same time, I can dislike him, but I'm not going to let that, because you want to talk about objectivity, I'm not going to let that cloud my vision of his game. Again, Steph Curry shouldn't have been a unanimous MVP because I think that makes it sound like he's the greatest player to ever play or something like that. You know, That's not true. But I am happy and comfortable saying he's the greatest shooter of all time already. And I'm sure the records, once he retires, will say that out. But... He he's Mr. Humble. I'm ba- I'm I'm just I'm a good guy coming from underdog. And the Warriors as a whole embraced that attitude. Draymond Green coming up wasn't expected to be as good as he was. Is Clay Thompson's the same way? And then um, they realize, oh hey, we won a championship, but we can't repeat because the hardest thing to do in sports and in the NBA in particular is repeat. Okay, there's one thing about being a champion, and there's another thing about becoming a dynasty. And that is super difficult. And as for as good as the Warriors have been over the past couple years, they have yet to repeat. And I think there's a big reason why, and their attitude is actually an example of why. And that's not the only reason, 
But there's an immaturity on this roster that I think uh, needs to be handled. That's why I'm disappointed in Steve Kerr because for all the veterans and, and players they've had on this team, it's like they don't know how to win. Like I'm all for acting cocky, but they really feel like they're the varsity high school basketball team going against the freshman team. And they just love, like, they're insecure in their in their own selves. Like, whether you're Steph Curry showing off with the camera or you're Kevin Durant showing the Memphis Grizzlies fans your ring finger. Like, these are insecure acts. And these are not what I would want my team to look like if I'm a Warriors fan. Like, this team's still great, and the Warriors are still arguably the greatest team in the NBA. Um, but how they carry themselves, I think isn't really uh, becoming of their talent. And I, that disappoints me as well as frustrates me. So Reed, let me ask you this. I'm sorry, Joey. I'm not trying to step on you. I just want to ask you a question. Then you guys can tell me what you think. When Kevin Durant said, I think it was at the very, uh, I think it was either last summer or this one that just passed. I don't remember which, when it was exactly that this happened, but Kevin Durant specifically said, I want to go into a basketball game and not, feel the pressure of winning the game. I just want to go out there and have fun. So to your point, Reed, where the Warriors don't know how to win, do you feel like the team is made up of players that don't care so much about winning and care more so about how they look and, and the way in which they win, and they only want to win in this flashy way? And if they, if, if they win in a less flashy way, then they'd rather lose. No, I I think they care about winning. I'm not yeah. I'm not going to go that they're a selfish team who just cares about stats. No, no, but, no. I'm I'm saying the way in which they win. Do you think they care about only winning, or do you th- do you think they care about the way in which they win? Because I'm I'm the mindset that they really want to win in a certain way. I think I wouldn't go that far. I think they would prefer to win in a certain way, but their goal going into the game isn't like, oh, hey guys, we have to win. And we also have to like meet our quota of three <laughs> yeah. finger wags, two ring fingers being shown, and an ejection uh, late fourth quarter. And we also have to hit like five threes and all the kind of stuff. No, I think they want to go in there and they want to dominate and they want to win. And they kind of want their cake and, and they want to eat it too. They want to be the dominant yeah. team that everybody looks as the cool guys, the bad boys. But they also want to be looked like the church boys who... Uh, go to choir practice every Sunday afternoon and, and sell cookies on Monday morning. Like it's, yeah. you know what I'm trying to say? Like I you, completely agree. With I think you, you're, you're the Warriors and the team and Steph Curry and Kevin Durant and Draymond Green. Just choose an identity and go with it. I'd much rather embrace them if they wanted to be the bad boys of the Western Conference, of the NBA. But don't don't break into my house on Saturday night, steal my PS4, then offer Sunday morning to help me find it. Like Be who you are. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think they definitely, their main concern is winning for sure. I think you know that's why KD came and 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 they've teamed up right now. And uh, I think they want to win. They don't care how they win, but they want to keep winning so so much and so badly and keep trying to prove haters wrong. And that's getting to them personally on a personal level. I think that now we're showing their frust- they're showing their frustration when they lose a couple of games and and they're really showing their true colors, which are are tough to see right now. Like you talked about how Draymond Green literally disrespected another NBA player straight up to his face, asking, who's this guy? What is his name? I mean, that's just that's just not right. That's not cool in any especially line because, of work. Especially because he, he didn't like that when he was that guy. Yeah. And, and that's my point. And that's exactly my point, is that 
you know, it's like saying somebody's poor and grows up poor and becomes rich and then sees someone else outside that is poor and doesn't help them. To me, it's like that. Like, to me, it was really shocking to see him do that. And I don't think that's a, a character indictment. I'm saying that the arrogance has gone yeah. to head. The we arrogance is, is way too much. Yeah. They're, and KD also, I mean, he, he is so arrogant. It's just, I mean, he's doing all these things. He's pointing with his middle finger. Not his ring finger, his middle That's finger to I the crowd. To say. Yeah, exactly. Is that I thought I thought he was just really finger. bad at keeping track of of which finger was which. Yeah. I, I have to be honest, guys. I don't think. Uh, never mind. He, I'll just say he went to Texas for one year. I don't think. Um, he, I don't think that he uh, he mixed up a ring <laughs> finger and the middle finger. I think Kevin Durant knows exactly what he's doing. Well, regardless, I think. Um, we all can agree that uh, I'm right. So let's move on to the we. I, I we're getting near the end of the show, and I, we gotta talk about the Knicks and the Nets, New York City's two best NBA teams, the only teams as well. Um, but the surprising thing isn't just that Carmelo Anthony is not in a Knicks uniform for the first time in a while, but yeah, and you guys are gonna hear me correctly when I say this that the the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, this is a team that just beat the Cavaliers without D'Angelo Russell, are have a winning record and are the third best team, ranking wise, in the Eastern Conference. I want to go to uh, Joey first. Um, how would you describe New York City basketball? Because because I, I mean we can go to both teams. There's not much really to say this early into the season. Yeah. But if I t- tell you New York basketball. What's your response? It's totally different when you're looking at both teams. I think if you're looking at the Knicks, you're you're just looking at something that has a huge question mark over it, and you have no direction of where this team is going, when they'll pick it up, if they'll ever pick it up. You know that they're only on the decline right now. You think uh, so? Yeah, I think. You the think Knicks, they're on the decline? I mean, I don't know, because at the end of the year they may get that pick. But even if they don't, like, I, I, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm curious right. because I look at the Knicks. And I was, this is going to be my point to cut you off, but I, I think while the Nets look better right now, I think the Brooklyn, I mean the Brooklyn Knicks, the Knicks have a lot better of a future. Like Christoph Porzingis, I still think in five years will be in an MVP five candidate. Years, maybe. But I think it looks better than the Brooklyn Nets' chances five years from now. I like what the Nets have done now. with their roster. I, I really think uh, D'Angelo Russell got the raw end of the deal. Um, in L.A. He did. And, he did. And he's a, an exceptional talent. I think he's a guy that if you hand him the keys to the car, he's going to take that with confidence. And he's playing right now with a lot of confidence. I know he's only played four games. But I like what I'm seeing out of him in terms of leadership and in terms of running a team and running the offense. He looks like he's very comfortable in that role in Brooklyn. And I like the culture that they're bringing in there. I like how they've they've gotten very young over there. And they've, they've brought in guys that they believe in and they want to play. I think... Uh, Atkinson, the coach of the Nets, has done a great job of having the players buy into that young culture, and he also looks like he cares for his players. Before the game against Orlando a couple of nights ago, every single player in the starting lineup came over, gave Atkinson a hug and a handshake, and you don't see that with Jeff Hornacek. He barely looks the players away for the Knicks. So when you're talking about cultures, I think they're totally in different positions right now. I think the Nets are trending up with culture, and the Knicks are are trending down. Mir? So... All right. Now, WFUV Sports is going to be so proud of me for saying this. I'm going to actually throw a baseball fact out there. It's not really baseball, but there were baseball players. Typically, when we think of the team of New York, we think of the Knicks, right? Because Brooklyn was an eight, the Brooklyn Nets were, you know, obviously the New Jersey Nets. And before then, they were the New York Nets, and they were an ABA team. 
But it's always been a New York Knicks kind of city. But you know what's so interesting is that Gary Sanchez, uh, CC Sabathia, and Aaron Judge were at the Nets game and not the Knicks game a couple of nights ago. And to me, that was shocking because usually, you know, star players go to their, their city's games. But in this situation, there are two teams. And you would normally think that, you know, obviously they would go to a Knicks game, but instead they went to a Nets game. And to me, that, that was a sign. Maybe that, to, maybe to that, see LeBron, though. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, that's I, a great point. <laughs> I, I, I mean, maybe, maybe. That, that, that's also possible, Joey, but I, I'm trying to help your point here. But, <laughs> <laughs> like, I think the Nets have a good culture. They, they cleared house. Um, they, they, they reset it up. They restructured it. The players are, are likable. Damari Kills is a very likable guy. Mozgov loves being in, the, in, in uh, playing yeah. for the Knicks. He's glad to be back in New York City. Uh, Russell, you know, he's kind of sketchy, but we'll see how it goes with him. Uh, the, you know, obviously, Rondé Hollis Jefferson is a guy people like. Uh, Levert, people like him. Uh, Dinwiddie, he's a nice story. I mean, people like these guys, and if they're hugging their coach and giving them a handshake before every game, that's a sign that these players really buy into that person, not just the coach, but the person. And so they're going to give more effort in. And when you want to watch a product like the, the New Yorkers would want to, they want to see something where they see a lot of heart. So would they rather see a, the Knicks culture where you've got, you've got you know Hardaway Jr. jacking up shots, Hornacek, as Joey says, not even looking at the players. You know, obviously Hernan Gomez not even playing, and everybody loves him. So you know, the fans are going to gravitate towards the Nets, I feel, and and, and also having the the, the the young Yankee studs being there helps. So to Joey's point, I totally agree. I think the Nets are on the rise, and I, I really think the Knicks need need to change ownership before they're going to really take over the city. Yep. Yes and no. Well, I'll just say this before we get going. I think that while you guys make a good point on the culture, I think it's a lot easier to find a good culture than it is a talented level player like KP. So I'm still with the Knicks, but you guys both make valid points. Really quickly before we go, I'm throwing this, put you guys on the spot, but Joey, give me your bum of the week in the NBA. Oof. It can be a player, it can be a coach, a team. Mir, or Amir, unless Amir has one right away. Amir, you could, you could start okay, that one. Okay, obviously it's going to be Miritic. I don't know if you guys heard, but he's now requesting a trade unless this Port, uh, uh, unless this, uh, Portis leaves the Bolts, and that's shocking to me because Miritic kept you know, going up to Portis, and then Portis finally defended himself and punched Miritic. So the center for the, the – oh, sorry, the power forward for the Bolts, Nikola Miritic, is an embarrassment. And and I'm, I'm I'm I just think that guy needs to leave. Yeah. He's a bum. I got I, my bum of the week, and you're gonna be surprised about this. Andrew Wiggins, Andrew Wiggins, start playing ball to win games and not stuff the stat sheet. Steve Kerr, you're my bum of the week, but you guys listening are the fans of the week, or at least listeners of the Pick and Pod podcast. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. We'll see you next week for Joy Dayon, Mir Gori. I am Reed Horner. Bye for now.